Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by the Longhorn Real Estate Team. For all your real estate needs in the Austin area, please visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks are a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you are ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use promo code Locked On at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Extra $30 off your order. That's Omaha Steaks. It's been a minute. So on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, we're talking transfer portal. The transfer portal opened yesterday. And so we're going to talk about the transfer portal as a whole and the players from Texas that have announced that they've entered or plan to enter the transfer portal. And then we haven't done a football episode since the Baylor game, since before the Baylor game. So we kind of do a post-mortem on the season and then talk about what the Alamo Bowl, Alamo Bowl matchup against Washington, win or lose, would mean for this Texas team going into year three for Sark in 2023. But first, transfer portal. So since the addition of the transfer portal and the one-time transfer rule, allowing players who have not transferred yet to transfer to another institution and be eligible to play immediately, I think there's been um, some mixed reviews on what that has meant for college football, right? And I think you can make arguments on the good side and the bad side. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. But the transfer portal is a great tool to filling holes on your team, and it's a great tool to building, right, a, a, a team for a new head coach. We saw it last year with Lincoln Riley. He was able to take a four-win team to an 11-win team just via the transfer portal, right? And now we see it with Coach Prime, right? Shout out Deion Sanders. Coach Prime is going to have to – you know, get into that transfer portal tough to take a team that won one game last year and make them respectable at the University of Colorado. So um, I think it's a, a great, you know, resource for that. And then we saw Texas last year, right? They were able to go in and find a starting quarterback in, in the portal in uh, Quinn Ewers and then find some other pieces that make key contributions to the team as well. So I definitely think it's a great resource uh, to fill holes on your team. That's the good, right? But I think so often when we talk about the transfer portal and we follow it like, you know, professional free agency or whatever your favorite league is, whatever sports you follow, we always talk about the creme de la creme, right? We always talk about the the top of the top, like the Quinn Ewers, right? We knew that when Quinn Ewers entered the transfer portal, he would find a home. Hudson Carr currently ranked as the third highest quarterback in the transfer portal, fourth highest prospect overall. We know that he's going to be the starting quarterback next year at another institution, not named University of Texas. But when you look at the transfer portal since it came about, right, the last three to four years, statistically, only 39 to 40 percent of the players that enter the transfer portal find a home. Right. And that's just something I always like to bring up. So 60 percent of the players that enter the portal do not end up finding a home. And it's not like you can just say, psych, just kidding. Right. And I'm coming back to the University of Texas. You know, it doesn't always work like that. And so, you know, we just spend so much time, you know, following the transfer portal and you know, seeing where these kids are going to go and, you know, hyping it and, and and talking about it as we should, you know, but I always like to remember, you know, that some of these kids enter this transfer portal and they don't leave it. Right. And so, you know, that can be tough on anybody. And so you have to, you know, I guess if there's any college kids listening, right, you have to, you know, do your due diligence and understand that if you're entering the transfer portal, you're taking a risk, you know, and it's probably not best to enter the transfer portal if you haven't vetted some type of interest, you know, for your services prior to entering the transfer portal. Another thing that I think maybe has turned some fans off about the transfer portal, really the one-time transfer rule, is kind of how it's been coupled with NIL, 
right? And I think we've seen that at the University of Texas. And this is something that I haven't spoke on because there really hasn't been any reason to. But now that it looks like he's staying and the transfer portal is officially open, we'll talk about the Xavier Worthy situation. For months, I had been hearing, and I'm sure you had been hearing that Xavier Worthy was leaning towards going to USC after the season, right? For whatever reason. And this is something that we heard last year. We know that there was talks between Xavier Worthy's camp and Lincoln Riley about going to USC last year, right? That was reported when he decided to stay. And I think ultimately the University of Texas increased the amount of resources that were given to Xavier Worthy to entice him to stay. It seems as though this year that smoke was a little louder. And I think there was a real possibility that Xavier Worthy was going to go to the University of Texas, excuse me, was going to go to USC this year in the transfer portal if things did not get smoothed out with the University of Texas. Now, it does seem that things were smoothed out with the University of Texas. It does seem that his resources were increased <laughs> to stay at the University of Texas. They say that they put on a full court press. You know what that means. And now he's 70-30 in terms of coming back to Texas. You know why. And so I think that's something that you have to prepare yourselves for as well. I think you have to constantly recruit your roster, right, and make sure that they don't enter the transfer portal. You don't lose your players. Obviously, you don't want to lose a player like Xavier Worthy to the transfer portal. But I also think that you have to, you know, with the transfer portal and NIL, and that's why we talk about this crazy offseason, even with, you know, high, excuse me, high school recruits committing and decommitting. You have to understand that players can now use this as leverage to gain more resources from their prospective institutions and say what you want about Xavier Worthy. I know we're all happy he's here and he's going to be on the field for the University of Texas next year, hopefully. Right. That's not official yet, but it seems that way. But he won't be the first player to use the transfer portal in NIL as a mechanism, right, as leverage to get more resources. And he won't be the last. Right. And so, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Right. We love the transfer portal when we get Xavier Worthy. I mean, excuse me, Quinn Ewers. And we love the transfer portal when we get Ajay Hall and, and you know, Jaleel Billingsley and Isaiah Nior, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have to look at the bad side of the transfer portal and say, you know, everybody on our roster is vulnerable to leaving for the right situation. Right. And now with the transfer portal, players are going to do everything in their part to try and come get players from the University of Texas and make them offers that they potentially, you know, can or cannot refuse. And so I think that's a part of the transfer portal. I think that's a part of NIL as well. And something that, you know, just as a part of the game now. Right. You're going to lose some players to it and you're going to win some players because of it. With that being said, Texas has some players that have announced their intention to enter the transfer portal. Some are officially in the transfer portal at this point. And I want to start with Hudson Card. And I think Hudson Card is obviously the biggest name for Texas entering the transfer portal. I think he's one of the biggest names in the portal, right? The fourth highest prospect currently rated as I record this at 609 Central on December 5th, Monday. Um, I just think there's some security. I don't think it's I don't think anybody that Texas lost to the portal was a devastating loss. Sorry, right? you didn't look up and say, oh, my God, Xavier Worthy actually entered the portal or like JT Sanders is in the portal or anybody like that. 24-7 chose violence and decided to randomly put Cam Williams in the portal today. I'm not sure if y'all even caught that. Texas fans within like three, four minutes, you know, realized that it was a mistake. It was a Cam Williams from the University of Washington, ironically, right, They entered the transfer portal. And they somehow put our Cam Williams on there, right? The right tackle from DeSoto. And so that would have been a big one, like big, literally. And then Cam, Cam Williams, but it also would have been very shocking, devastating, right? A lot of people think that he could be the starting right tackle as early as this year. So I thought that was big. 
None of them have been devastating. None of them have been like, oh, my God, how will we function moving forward? But I do think Hudson Card is a big loss in this regard. I think there's security and comfort in knowing what you have at the quarterback position. And I'm not so sure we know what we have at the quarterback position. I think we knew what we had in Hudson Card. You could talk about the floor. You could talk about the ceiling. I think we knew what we had in Hudson Card. I also think we probably don't get to eight and four if we don't have Hudson Card on this roster this year, assuming Quinn Ewer still gets hurt, right? So that's a very valuable piece. And he came in and played essentially four games for us in relief of Quinn Ewers, right? But I'm not so sure we know what we have in Quinn Ewers next year. I'm not so sure we know what we have. We don't know what we have in Malik Murphy. We don't know what we have in Charles Wright. And we don't know what we have in Arch Manning when he ultimately signs to the University of Texas. Like I said, I think we know what we have in Hudson Card, and there's comfort and security in that, especially with that player being in the quarterback room. So I wish him the best. He earned my respect this year, and I can't wait to see where he goes next year. Wherever he goes, we'll have a fan in me, and I hope he balls out. Sticking in the quarterback room, Ben Ballard. You know, I talked about 60 to 61% of players entering the transfer portal and not finding a home. I'm not putting this on Ben Ballard, and I'm not speaking this into existence. But when you look at a player like Ben Ballard at the quarterback position, he hasn't had the opportunity to showcase anything really since he's been in college. And so, you know, are you going off a of high school tape? You know, I, I don't know what you're going off of. I hope he finds a home and I hope he's able to go somewhere and play quarterback next year. But like I said, I'm just not understanding what you're walking into the meeting with, or, you know, or what you're showing up to the table with. If you spent your whole time at the University of Texas holding a clipboard. But like I said, there's no shot at him. I hope he finds a home and I wish him the best. I just, you know, like I said, 60% of players into the transfer portal and don't find a home. Andre Carriage, right? Of course, we brought in the 2022 class and then the 2023 class following that. But I think 12 or 13 offensive linemen. And, you know, I think what at least, you know, three from that 2022 class are going to be starting next year. There's really just no room for Andre Carriage. I think Sark still, you know, was able to use utilize him this year, uh, you know, as a swing tackle. And then he was able to utilize him as a tight end or fullback in, you know, some jumbo packages. But Obviously, Andre Carriage is an offensive lineman. He wants to play offensive line, right? So he's going to have the opportunity to do that next year, you know, albeit at another institution. So not a huge loss because we've recruited over Andre Carriage at this point, but, you know, definitely um, is a player that's had some good moments at the University of Texas. Wish him the best. DJ Harris and Prince Dorba, I think two very talented edges. They just haven't been able to haven't had the opportunity or haven't taken the opportunity uh, to produce at the edge position at the University of Texas. So hopefully they can go somewhere next year and show off that potential. J.D. Coffee. we played five different safeties at times this year. I don't think that was going to change much next year. And I think J.D. Coffee definitely would have been in that rotation. But, you know, he's entering the transfer portal to be a likely starter, right, not a rotational piece. And so I'm not sure that there was a path to him being a guaranteed starter next year. He can enter the transfer portal and find that path himself, a really talented safety, talented enough to start somewhere next year. And I think he'll find that opportunity in the portal for him. I wish him the best. Troy O'Meary, I think, you know, has all the makings of a number one receiver. I think he has the frame. I think he has the catch radius. And we saw the talent in the spring game. I think we've saw what he's able to do. Just unfortunate injuries, right? I think he only has one career catch in the University of Texas. This came this year. Uh, tearing his ACL two years in a row in fall camp is just unfortunate. But I wish him the best. I think he could be one of the steals of the portal. Like I said, I think he still, if he can stay healthy, has all the makings of a number one receiver. Just not at the University of Texas, unfortunately. And then Jameer Johnson, this is a corner um, that, you know, got some good 
you know, reps for us this year when he needed to come in. And, you know, I just think next year you, you talk about Jade Barron likely coming back, or Ryan Watts likely coming back, uh, Austin Jordan, a Terrence Brooks, and a Jalen Gilbo, who all played significant minutes this year. Plus you bringing in a borderline five-star corner and Malik Muhammad. You know, that just kind of leaves Jameer Johnson um, on the, you know, outside looking in. So this is a player I really like, you know, a player that made some plays for us this year and looked good in coverage at times. But, you know, I think he's looking at it and saying, I have all the talent in the world and the ability to go start somewhere and put a few good years of tape, of football on tape and potentially, you know, progress myself towards playing football at the next level. And so, you know, that's just a casualty of doing business, right? And so you hate to lose Jameer Johnson. You hate to lose any of these players, but you also like to see them get the opportunity to go shine elsewhere and like i said continue um their journey of playing football at the next level so best of luck to all the players that have entered the transfer portal but i think it's a good sign for the university of texas that at least thus far right it's only been one day of transfer portal madness but we haven't seen any huge shockers you know thus far i think every player that has left thus far is intended to enter the transfer portal kind of makes sense right you don't have anybody that you're you're you're, like i said a a a jt sanders or an xavier worthy or a justice finkley somebody that's a definite part of the future that leaves and you're like oh what's going on right so i think that speaks to the faith that the team has going into sark in year three and the culture um that sark has built you know going into year three at the university of texas that it looks thus far, largely this roster is going to stay intact, even in, you know, this one-time transfer rule and transfer portal era. A quick word from Omaha Steaks and then Built Bar. <laughs> Don't mean to get you hungry. And then we're going to do the postmortem on the season and preview uh, briefly the Alamo Bowl matchup between Washington and the University of Texas. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great. You got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they are literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. Get it? Built Bar Bar Built. Never mind. I don't even eat protein bars. I eat Built Bars. That should tell you everything you need to know because they are revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. 130 calories. Just sink. Oh, my God. Just sink your two teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever you have to try this get 15 percent off your order right now by using the code locked on 15 at built.com and yes it's the holidays the holidays are here you need to achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged tender and delicious omaha steaks the steak experts at omaha steaks have put together special created gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50 percent off site-wide plus use code locked on at checkout to get an additional 30 percent off your order yes that's 50 percent off site-wide plus with the code locked on an additional 30% off your order. And I'm talking about 50% off site-wide plus 30% off your order. Orders of the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air chill boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, and even easy prepared comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. So shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code locked on at checkout. Woo! 50% off site-wide plus an additional 30% off your order. Y'all know that filet mignon sound good. Y'all know that y'all, you need, <laughs> y'all know y'all want that filet mignon. All right. Postmortem on the season, Washington, Texas. Postmortem on the season. I came into the season saying that 
I felt Texas needed to go. I don't, I don't say needed. I felt Texas was going to be nine and three this year. I thought eight and four was the floor, right? They went eight and four. I'm satisfied with that. It's an improvement from five and seven, although Texas should never go five and seven. But eight and four is a good benchmark coming off of a five and seven season in Sark's year two going into year three. Now, I've repeatedly said that they left some meat on the bone, and I still feel like they left some meat on the bone because the context behind eight and four tells you that they had a lead with less than two minutes left against the Alabama Crimson Tide, and they lost that game. They had a double-digit lead against Texas Tech, and they lost that game. They had a double-digit lead against Oklahoma State, and they lost that game. And then they scored seven, excuse me, three offensive points against TCU. The defense scored 10, seven. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. They scored 10 points against TCU holding TCU to 17 points. They averaged 45 points a game. That's a game that Texas should have won, right? So there were instances in each of their four losses where Texas could have won. One more win, let's just say against Texas Tech or Oklahoma State, they're in the Big 12 championship. So I know we said that this year was the year before the year, but this year had the opportunity to be the year. I believe Texas folded that away. With that being said, I am basing this year on what happens in the bowl game. If they win the bowl game, I'm going to say it was a really good season. They went nine and four and built a ton of momentum going into next year, especially ending the season with three straight wins against Baylor, Kansas, and then what would be, would be the University of Washington. If you lose this game, I don't think it's the end of the world, right? Because it's a bowl game against the University of Washington. You could kind of write that off, you know, if you want to. But like I said, I want to see this team take this bowl seriously, especially not going to a bowl last year. I want to see them. Um, you know, go out and, and beat a very talented Washington team. I think right now Washington is the highest ranked team that's not in a New Year's Six Bowl. So it's definitely going to be a really good challenge for the University of Texas. And it's a young team, right? So I want to see how they go out and approach this bowl going into a very important season for the University of Texas and Steve Sarkeesian in year three. And I think they get invaluable experience, you know, practicing for the University of Washington, but really just getting practice reps and you know, all types of things over the next month. And Steve Sarkeesian said he's going to approach the first half kind of like spring practices. And then, you know, the last half of it, you know, kind of the last couple of weeks preparing for their opponents. So I think that's invaluable experience for a roster that had 57 out of 85 scholarship players this year being freshmen or sophomores. When you talk about the Washington Huskies, like I said, I believe they are the highest ranked team to not make a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm not sure if that's the AP poll or the college football playoff poll, probably college football playoff, which more people use at this stage than the AP poll. They have the leading passer in the nation who just announced that he'll be returning for his sixth season in Michael Penix Jr., right? He threw for 4,300 yards in 12 games, right? That's insane. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to come down to in this game, right? And I will preview it more as the game gets closer, but who can establish their strength the best? Because we know that, you know, Washington and Michael Penix Jr., they want to throw the ball a lot. And our defense was really good this year, but the strength of our defense was our rush defense. I think the pass defense um, at times, you know, left something on the table, you know, left a lot to be desired. But for the most part, they were a really good unit rushing and pass defense. But they're definitely going to be tested. Right. You know, especially we have some players, especially if you have some players who may opt out, you know, for one reason or another. I think the defense especially is going to be tested. And when you look at the Washington defense, I you know, I definitely think their offense is what carries them. They're a really good football team this year. I think 10 and two in the regular season, but their offense is what carries them. I think their defense has been shaky at times. And we know, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and this Texas football team, they are going to try 
uh, to establish the run, right? And we really saw towards the end of the season in the Kansas game, the Baylor game, the end of the Iowa State game, Steve Sarkeesian has no problem taking the ball out of Quinn Ewer's hands and just running the ball down their throat. Now we're probably not going to have B. John Robinson in this game, but I would still expect Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks, and Keelan Robinson to all play a big factor in them establishing the run. And then, you know, like I said, you know, allowing Quinn Ewers to complement our running backs um, and, you know, not vice versa. So I think it's going to be a, a big matchup, and I think whoever wins this game is going to be able to establish their strengths better, whether it's Washington in their passing game with the leading passer in the nation, Michael Penix Jr., or Texas in their power run game with Roshan Johnson or, you know, Jonathan Brooks and then Keelan Robinson and Jaden Blue maybe coming in uh, to spell whoever starts in that game or, you know, possibly B. John Robinson, although I, I think that's very unlikely. So I think this is a big test for the University of Texas and Steve Sarkeesian, obviously, you know, that's where he got his coaching debut at the University of Washington. So that storyline is there. Um, but I think it's a big test, you know, for a young team going into the 2023 season. I think this is the type of game, a bowl game, especially not going last year, that can build a lot of momentum going into winter conditioning, spring ball, you know, summer workouts, and then fall camp, and then ultimately the 2023 season, which we as Texas fans have dubbed as the year. And so I think if next year is the year, it starts with a strong performance in the bowl game against a tough Washington team. And, you know, I like to see them go out and give 100% effort and get that win. And like I said, in this season on a three-game win streak, in this season with a 9-4 and four record and build some positive momentum for a young team going into next season where the spotlight is going to be on the University of Texas, right? Next season, it is Big 12 championship or bust. It's not just, oh, it's Sark's second year, right? Next year is Big 12 championship or bust. And then the year after that, you start talking about, okay, Texas needs to be a playoff team every year once they expand to 12, right? So this was kind of the last year of grace. That grace going into year three kind of leaves the building, right? And so next year, they're going to have to be really good. And I think that starts with going out and beating a really good Washington team in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. I think currently Ben Online has Texas favored by four and a half to five points. And so we'll see how that line moves closer to the game. So crazy off season, you know, it's going to be a crazy bowl season and playoff season. Uh, shout out to TCU representing the Big 12 and the college football playoff. And we're just getting started with the transfer portal. Like I said, it's day one. So a lot to talk about. And I'll be here to talk about it with you. Locked on Longhorns. Hook them. Peace. <laughs>